Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Jennifer Martinez, the Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer and a partner at Hanson Bridget. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? Hi, Ari. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a privilege. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Tell us about your background and your role at Hanson Bridget. I first came to know Hanson Bridget actually as a participant in the second year that they did the a signature program of the firm, the 1L interview workshop. And way back when I was a 1L in law school, it was a, a workshop geared towards diverse students to prepare them for the kind of foreign world of law firm interviewing and that whole process and ended up summering as a 2L at Hanson Bridget during law school. Now, after graduation, I went to another firm. I was in big law for about five years. And then when I left big law, I knew I only wanted to come to one place and that was here. And so I lateraled back to Hanson in about 2013, right around this time of year and have been here ever since. I made partner in 20, at the start of 2019. And then last year, much like everyone went through, there was this period of self-reflection caused by the pandemic a little bit and the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor really kind of caused me to reflect on what I was doing with my career, what I felt fulfilled by, what purpose I wanted to use my degree and my experience and my big old brain for, and luckily to be at a place like Hanson Bridget that supported that. So last summer, we formed the Real Action Calling for Equality Task Force in response to the social upheaval that was going on. And that was a more action-oriented committee at the firm intended to re-examine both internally and externally the way that the firm could marshal its immense amount of resources and privilege and knowledge to advance issues of racial and social justice and equity. And one of the things that that task force recommended was the creation of this position, the chief diversity, equity, and inclusion officer position here at the firm. And I think like a lot of diverse attorneys throughout my career, I'd sort of done a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion work on the side, right? And if you've seen me speak in in media before, I talk a lot about this, a concept of a second shift that I feel like a lot of diverse attorneys end up working. If you care about issues of diversity in, in private practice, you're sort of left up to be the one to solve those issues. And you don't necessarily get a lot of help from anyone else but diverse attorneys. And so we're always faced with this choice. You feel compelled to work twice as hard as your peers sometimes in the actual legal work. And then after working twice as hard, you've still got to make this choice whether to engage in more non-billable work because you care about issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that was one of the reasons behind why we created this officer position. And then at the end of last year, We'd started the recruitment process and I decided to throw my hat in the ring. I really love this work. I love how much I get to do both internally and externally. It just felt right. It felt right. The timing felt right. 
the firm, of course, felt right and the opportunity felt right. So that's how I ended up in this role and have been at the start of 2021 trying to transition my pretty sizable litigation practice over to my other partners and associates in the labor and employment group, whom I'm immensely grateful for taking that on for me. What is your mission in this role? I wouldn't have the mission that I do without a strong mandate and support from firm leadership. And our firm is really invested in moving the needle on these issues. When I was a young law student, we had a number of these same conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion issues and how we needed to increase numbers and increase retention and address attrition issues. And here we are 13 years later talking about the exact same thing. Our firm is really committed to breaking out of that every 10-year cycle of paying attention to the issue and then enthusiasm kind of dies out and we end up back where we started. That is my mission. Break that cycle of just talk. And that's why we named our task force last year what we did, the Real Action Calling for Equality Task Force. It's time to, everyone knows the issues. We don't need to talk about them anymore. We need to actually do something. And I think our firm sees that something as both looking inside, right, inward, what are our policies, what are our practices within the firm that we can adjust to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion And how can we be a conscious corporate citizen? We're an all California firm and I grew up here. I'm an Oakland native and current resident. And it's important that this firm look like and reflect the people and the values of the state where we practice. And that includes using our resources and our privilege externally to the firm as well. So I see that as part of this mission too, marshalling our resources, increasing our investment, to answer that call to justice that all attorneys take on when they take their oath to be sworn in as an attorney to advance justice. And that's got to include racial and social justice as well. What policies and initiatives have helped your firm support its diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts? There's a number of things. Externally, we're looking at our pro bono partnerships. We're signing up new pro bono partnerships that are more specifically directed towards racial justice and equity efforts. We are strengthening our relationship with law school affinity groups and working on some pipeline projects. We're trying to partner with our clients in the private sector who often want to do this work as well, but don't necessarily have the infrastructure in place either. Internally, there's a number of initiatives we've got going. There's certainly a recruiting and retention initiative. I'm now involved in every single lateral interview process that we have and requisition. We hold our section leaders accountable for the candidate pools that they create for open positions. I'm also the chair of our recruiting committee, which is responsible for law student recruiting and hiring. And that's very intentional as well. We developed a program several years ago where we targeted Howard University Law School, various diversity career fairs, and maybe lesser ranked law schools that have more diverse student populations and have done really intentional recruiting there to increase the diversity of our candidate pools too. We've also got a number of policy initiatives that are going. We're looking at all of our firm policies, our leadership policy, our credit sharing policy, things like that guard against unconscious bias creep. 
we're kind of having that hard look in conversation of even though we consider ourselves a very progressive and ahead of the pack firm on diversity, equity, and inclusion, we know we still have work to do. And that's going to involve that hard look at our own policies and practices. And then I'm working with our marketing department as well to do a better job of explaining to the world how we're moving the needle on our diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives with the hope, to be honest, that we encourage or inspire other law firms to do the same. That marketing work also involves developing individualized business development plans for our diverse attorneys so that we don't get this glass ceiling that a lot of them run into as they move up the ranks. We're providing that extra support. And then we have a a huge training initiative, something we call the Anti-Racist Boot Camp. And that boot camp provides an optional training event every month, sometimes twice a month. And we try to take a number of different approaches. Sometimes it's something more serious, unconscious bias training, allyship training. Sometimes it's something more group-oriented, moderated and facilitated discussions, for example. And sometimes it's something more fun. So for example, we're this month hosting Reina Grande, who's the author of The Distance Between Us, which is a memoir about her crossing from Mexico to the United States. And so we had a bunch of people read that book and we're hosting the author for a Q&A. And so I consider that not just important for the training part, but for community building as well, for showing our diverse employees, both attorneys and staff, that we have space for them in this law firm. And then I think, too, there's some softer efforts on my part. I've started holding what I'm calling fireside chats, although I probably need a better name, with all of our diverse attorneys to surface any issues that they're dealing with, provide a space for them for support for venting, to bring up anything that's bothering them or that they want more help with. And my goal really there is to address sometimes the death by a thousand paper cuts type of environment that oftentimes leads to diverse attorney attrition, right? It's not so much something is so bothersome to call HR, but it's not an ideal environment. And I think that those things are solvable if we put some intentional effort into them. Did the firm implement any specific protocols in the past year to strengthen diversity, equity, and inclusion while working remotely? We were very well positioned when COVID hit. Even before the pandemic, we'd started at the time, it was called our Dynamic Workforce Initiative, and now it's called our Agile Workforce Initiative. But we'd already started kind of recognizing the reality that in the modern era, you probably don't need to be five days a week, nine to five, FaceTime in the office. We'd already transitioned to allowing folks to work more flexibly, whether that's at an office that's closer to their home in the East Bay or the North Bay or Sacramento, LA, rather than our home office in San Francisco, or allowing them to work at home if that was more flexible. So when the pandemic hit, we were perfectly positioned to transition to everyone working remotely. And we couldn't do it without our IT and operations teams. I think they deserve a huge round of applause in the answer to this question. And maybe it wasn't intentional to begin with, but a real commitment to providing the infrastructure and providing the support for everyone to work at home has ended up benefiting women attorneys in particular, right? All of these studies are trying, starting to come out after the pandemic showing disparate effect 
that working from home has had on women attorneys who now have taken on more child care duties at home in addition to trying to maintain their practices. Some of the numbers are scary. The prediction of women attorneys leaving the practice entirely because of the effects that COVID has had on their careers. And so I think our flexibility in that agile workforce policy has really benefited a lot of our women attorneys, especially. It's something that we are going to continue even post-pandemic. I don't know if we can call it post-pandemic yet, but as restrictions ease, I think we fully intend to continue our policy as it's been the last year and a half. How do you expect the Agile Workforce Initiative to impact hiring both lateral and new hires and also retention? We've hired about 20 new attorneys this year thus far. And I would say nearly everyone that we've interviewed has identified our flexibility and that initiative as one of the main reasons that they're attracted to our firm. And certainly we've heard from law students to that effect as well. I only think that that's going to continue. And again, it's not simply because of the pandemic. It's recognizing the modern realities of the law firm space. Almost everything that we do is sitting in front of a computer. We're not in court as frequently. And frankly, I think the courts (laughs) have gotten used to a remote environment and intend to stay that way too. So there's even less reason for non-meaningful FaceTime requirements. Now, I do think that it's important for us to be intentional about cultivating and maintaining the special culture we've created here at our firm. And some of that's got to be done in person. I practice labor and employment in my former attorney life. And in California, which is incredibly complex regime of employment laws, a lot of advice and counseling expertise comes from experience. It comes from building multiple client interactions so that you can say, I've seen this before. I know how this plays out. And my worry for some young attorneys is that they're going to miss some of those opportunities of hearing someone in the next office on the phone and peeking their head in and listening in on a client call. And I think we need to find a way and be intentional about capturing those spontaneous in-person training opportunities. But we're working on it. And I think it's a distinct part of what our Agile Workforce Initiative is going to address. How are clients influencing the firm's diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives? To be honest, I love when clients hold us accountable on these initiatives. And I think we've started to see that more and more, whether it's in the RFP or the pitch process or annual reporting on the demographics of attorneys who have served certain clients. That's absolutely crucial. Law firms as a whole, as a, as a category of business, are not that quick to change. And sometimes they will resist Uh, change-making when they can't see a business case for it. And so I love when clients are holding us accountable because it makes the business case for us. Clients want to see diversity on their lawyer teams from outside counsel. And if we can't deliver on that, then we may lose work. And I think clients are doing that not simply as a, a show effort, But clients really have recognized the actual research that supports the idea that diverse teams reach better decisions, do better work, are more efficient. And really, they're holding us accountable as a recognition of that science that backs up that principle. How do you see the legal profession expanding its approach to diversity, equity, and inclusion? 
the biggest thing that I'd love to see the legal profession take on is a more conscious effort at diverse attorneys in leadership positions. And that's everywhere. That's at firms, that's at nonprofits, that's at bar associations, that's in law schools. And I think that that's really important. If you are a young college student who's thinking about going to law school, or if you are a law student who's thinking about going into private practice, you know, you can't be it if you can't see it, right? And I think it's important to create those models of success to show how many paths there are to success as a diverse attorney to reach kind of the top of that mountain, whatever that mountain may be for the individual. And I think, too, that change is most likely to come and to last if we've got diverse people at the top. It's much easier to create that lasting change with a top-down effort rather than simply trying to create diverse ranks at the bottom of the pyramid, even if you know that attrition is this huge problem. So I would love to see the legal profession focus more intentionally on those efforts. And frankly, I'd love to see the legal profession be a little bit more innovative with workplace policies. We've all recognized how the pandemic has changed our day-to-day lives. Now's the window for us to kind of make some changes to how legal practice works on a day-to-day basis. I'd love to see us be more creative across law firms with remote working arrangements or varying hours and days of work type of arrangements, team approaches to matters rather than having very lean staffing. We've got this window because of the pandemic to really make some fundamental change. And I just hope our profession has the ganas to do it. I don't know if ganas translates to English, but that's the best way I can describe it. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Jennifer Martinez, the Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer and a partner at Hanson Bridget. Jennifer, it's been a privilege. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ari. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.